Well, we talk a lot, don't we, about the mental challenges that come with spending so much time on our devices. They shorten our attention span and they mess with our self-esteem. But the digital age also has a huge impact on our bodies. The average uh, adult spends 11 hours a day using some form of technology, usually sitting down. And Manoush Zamarodi is the host of the TED Radio Hour on NPR. She has a new series that looks at the negative impacts our digital habits have on our anatomy and what we can do about it. It's called Body Electric. We have a link on our website. And Manoush Zamarodi joins me now. Hi. Hey, Jesse. How are you? Great to talk to you. I'm really well. And you actually nod to a poem written in 1855 for the title of this series, Walt Whitman's poem, I Sing the Body Electric. Uh, why did you choose yes. that particular ode? Oh, because I know that song, and I also know the version that came from the show Fame uh, in the 1980s, All right. 80s yeah. in the US. You know, I sing the body electric, and I just felt like I don't feel that way most of the time. Most of the time, I spend the day attached to my laptop or my phone, uh, and I know that I'm not alone. Nearly 85% of jobs here in the United States are sedentary. And I feel like crap at the end of the day, Jesse. Let's just be frank. I feel drained, <laughs> even though all I've been doing is sitting on my butt. And so my big question was, why? What is sitting and, and working on these gadgets doing to our bodies physically from top to toe? And so as you mentioned, that's what this series is. It's my sort of journey through the human body to understand its relationship to our technology, to our habits. And, and what we need to do about it. Yeah, that feeling at the end of the day of being wasted, you call it type tap collapse syndrome, which I love. Um, and you look, <laughs> you look back over time too at how technology and also the economy connects to anatomy. Yeah, I mean, this is not new, right? Whatever humans have been up to, whatever we've done for work has affected our body. So, you know, go back hundreds of thousands of years. We were hunter-gatherers. We're lean. We're mean. We have excellent eyesight. We can see really far because we are either being hunted or we are hunting ourselves. And then it's really not until you fast forward through uh, the industrial age that people start sitting on chairs when the concept of leisure comes about. And then in the 1930s, you get white collar workers who actually sit for a living. And then of course you bring in the computers, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and that completely changes not just the fact that we're sitting, but contorts our bodies into using them certain ways. You get the keyboard, the mouse, uh, the way that there are, I don't know about you, but I can never get my monitor set the right way so I can see <laughs> properly. And so this is when really, you know, we start contorting our bodies to our tools and it, and we do it for hours and hours at a time. And so it's starting, we're starting to understand that this is really one of the reasons why the World Health Organization predicts that by 2040, 40% of the entire population of the world will be nearsighted. It's this combination of our habits, what we do, 
uh, looking at screens close up, but also what we don't do when we are uh, living online and typing away. We don't go outside. We don't look into the distance anymore. We don't get vitamin D. And so one historian I talked to describes us as having Anthropocene bodies. Um, he used one statistic that said uh, some crazy statistic that in the UK in certain areas, people don't walk for more than 10 minutes in a month. And I was like, oh, well, that's awful. That's just so we're, we're at the risk of turning into lumps of flesh. Um, but even those of us, and I don't know about you, Jesse, maybe you work out in the morning and maybe you're like, ah, oh, well, you know, she's describing my buddy over there. <laughs> that's not me. Well, it turns out, though, that researchers have found that even if you work out in the morning or after work, if you are sitting the rest of the day, it doesn't make a difference. You still will have the uh, potential health effects of having a sedentary lifestyle of uh, that could be hypertension, uh, obesity, um, because when you sit, it puts a lot of pressure on your body. There is no blood flow. And so it's really movement, regular movement throughout the day that you need. And this is Standing um, desk isn't going to cut it either. Yeah, this is quite a, um, a recent development too. You look at uh, my favorite Shakespeare play, King Lear, written over 400 years ago. 26,000 words in that play and he only mentions chair four times it just wasn't <laughs> a big part of life mind you he was a bit of a displaced king wasn't he but he was active everyone was active no one was sitting down sitting around true and now what is it uh, sitting is the default I mean we don't even use the word chair but have a seat of course you do I mean we go into school and and we ask kids to sit for what six hours a day, barely getting up. And um, so I wanted to understand better what actually happens to us when we sit, Jesse. And so I went and participated in a study that they are doing at Columbia University here to uh, sort of try and understand what is the least amount of activity we need to counteract the health impact of sitting all day. And what they have found is just walking or moving very gently for five minutes every half hour during periods of prolonged sitting mm. can offset some of the most harmful effects. So I did this. I went one day and they measured, you know, my my heart rate, my blood pressure, everything. And I sat for one day and then I went back another day and they got me up and I moved like I walked two miles an hour. So like barely, you know, very gentle walking on a treadmill, but every half hour but my blood pressure was cut nearly in half. Uh, sorry, my blood sugar was cut nearly in half. Gosh. My blood pressure was down five points. And I rated the quality of my work as 40% better, despite all the interruptions. Yeah. I mean, possibly it's too late for you and me, but um, there's still our children. <laughs> <laughs> you this looked, is true. You looked at some um, research that shows that children's eyes actually change shape due to the use of technology. Is there any going back once that's happened? Well, I you have kids, and I didn't know this. I have two kids, and I had never heard that you can actually treat nearsightedness or myopia. I thought, you know, and, and I've, I've done like an informal poll of my friends, yeah. and I've been like, did you know that you can treat this? And they thought, yeah. no, I thought you get glasses and you tell your kid to like, you know, not spend too much time uh, 
looking at a screen, but it actually, there are treatments um, where you can uh, halt the progression of myopia, of nearsightedness. So we spent time with um, an optometrist who opened the first myopia treatment center in the United States. And she says, you know, and we talked to a kid, lovely 12 year old who sleeps with the, the special contact lenses on at night. And they literally gently reshape uh, her Gosh. eyeballs back to the spherical shape, shape that they're supposed to be, uh, to the point where she doesn't have to wear glasses anymore. And um, hopefully, you know, she can keep her myopia in check because in the long run, I didn't know this either, that myopia can cause uh, blindness later in life. And so it's a really big problem if you've got millions of children going nearsighted. This optometrist said she sees kids, you know, toddlers who, uh, and I said, well, what are these toddlers doing? And she said, well, they're looking at iPads instead of going outside and playing with real toys. So, I mean, I, and I hate to wag a finger because, you know, I've been there, right? I've been in the shopping, in the grocery store as a kid who's crying and you hand them the phone. Yeah. But it's just, it's not about like wagging a finger and saying, bad, bad, get off your phone. I think it's just about the balance, right? And she said, you know, the key thing is you got to just take breaks, especially after you've spent a long time on a screen, like go outside and look for birds. You have to look mm -hmm. into the horizon horizon. You need to retrain your eyeballs to look far, not just near. We've all seen those um, graphics or illustrations of how humans evolved from an ape on all fours to slightly hunched <laughs> over upright figure to a human standing mm. tall. I wonder if we're going backwards again. We're going back to that slightly hunched uh, stage of evolution. Yeah, it does make me wonder too. And you're bringing up, um, this episode hasn't come out yet. So uh, this will be in the grand finale. I'll mm. give you a little sneak preview you. here. But I've been spending, yeah, I've been spending time. Um, uh, this is not by choice, purely for research, Jesse, I'm sure you'll understand <laughs> wearing um, headsets, the Meta Quest 3 headset, yeah. because, uh, you know, this is what the technologists are saying is the future that instead of tapping our screens or sitting at our laptops, we'll be strapping headsets to our heads. Um, the Apple Vision Pro is supposed to come out in 2024. And, you know, I, I have not been interested, I don't know about you, but doing virtual reality or things like that, because it's mostly been for gamers. Yeah. This is where, right? Have you tried them out before? It's just, it just leaves me a bit cold, but I, I don't doubt it's a big part of all of our futures. Yeah, well, the key thing that they're doing now is they're they're trying to go after people like you and me, the desk jockeys. You know, they're trying to say, we want you to do your email, do your spreadsheets, do all that stuff in one of these headsets to interact with information in a new kind of way. So I have been trying out this one app called Soft Space, where you walk amidst you know, uh, your text, your images, your your web browsers, and you can move them with your body. And um, I talked to the the creator of it. And he said, you know, look, my my goal is not to have you sucked into this virtual world all day long. We are looking for the sweet spot where you find it useful to interact, to move with information in new ways. But, you know, we are really at the cusp of this new technology. But I worry. I worry that, you know, what can we monetize next is the question, right, for a lot of tech companies. I'm talking to Manoush Zamarodi, who is the host of Body Electric. 
It's a a new series that looks at the negative impacts our digital habits have on our anatomy. And there's a link on our website. You talked earlier about um, exercise snacks, uh, five minutes every half an hour to just take a short or slow walk. It's not really realistic, though, is it, Manoush? (laughs) Well, that's the big question, Jesse. So after I spent time in that lab, I was like, well, this was great. I had I was sitting at a desk and then this lab technician would come and tap me on the shoulder Mm -hmm. and put me on a treadmill for two miles an hour. But is this even really possible in in this our deadline filled world? And so we put out the call to our listeners to see would they be willing to try to uh, partner, so we're partnering with Columbia University uh, Medical Center, and we've enrolled 20,000 people into a study where they are are signed up to one of three cohorts. So one cohort is trying to get movement snacks into their workday every uh, half hour, five minutes every half hour. Another is five minutes every hour, and another is uh, five minutes every two hours. And, you know, the scientists are saying, you know, we understand the physical benefits, but what we want to understand is whether or not people can actually do this. And if they can't, like, why not? Is it because your boss thinks it's super weird mm-hmm. that you get up at your desk and you wander around or uh, or you're on a Zoom meeting and you feel like it would be really awkward for you to stand up and start shuffling side to yeah. side? And I think, the, you know, the question is, how do we make it normal? How do we make it normal for people to put their health first. And uh, yeah. you know, we used to, back in the day, we used to be like, oh, he's going out for a smoke break and no one would bat an eye. <laughs> what if they're going out for like a movement break? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you think it would be, based on your own experience, you think it would be in the employer's interests? Well, I mean, I hate to talk about productivity when it's something as basic as our well-being, but you know, based on the preliminary research, there could actually be a real productivity benefit to uh, employers as well. Um, If if they need a reason, people's uh, rate their work much better, their concentration better, all those wellness programs that companies are putting um, into place. Like I've never taken part in the um, online yoga class that it's allegedly on our website. Um, <laughs> but if you just made it normal to be able to to move, I think what you're seeing is people rate the the quality of their day. Uh, and so you're also talking about retention, right? If people are saying, I feel miserable at work and, and maybe they don't know why, just adding some movement, that might actually help it will also certainly here in the United States, you know, healthcare costs are sky, right, sky, skyrocketing. And if there's any easy way to uh, get down heart disease and diabetes and uh, maybe make it less likely for people to develop uh, uh, cancer, I mean, this is simple, easy, and free. So it makes people feel good. It doesn't cost any money. And it, it could actually be beneficial to your business. You, you, but, you say um, free as, you know, as though that's a benefit, although maybe if it did cost something, more companies would be sniffing around and trying to make this happen. Well, that's a really good point. I mean, I think that's, uh, if you can't monetize it, it doesn't exist, right? Huh. Like that's kind of the, the world we live in when it comes to technology. And so that's, I think, part of the reason why we wanted to partner with people um, to see you know, what does it take for, for an office 
to um, maybe maybe it should have nothing to do with whether the boss or the corporation thinks you should do this. Maybe it's just like your work from home group, you know, checks in with each other and makes sure that you have walking meetings yeah. uh, every morning um, rather you, than seated. So have you been I think to... we want to see how these habits are contagious. Have you been able to stick to it, by the way, since, Sorry. You, since you found out that it was uh, so useful, um, you know, Test, uh, <laughs> test audience of one. Fair question. Fair question. I have not been able to do the every half hour, five minutes. But what I have found, I have found what works for me, which is actually a longer, a 10 minute walk every two hours. Um, I, I, you know, that seems to be working for me, partly because I am working with other people who are not doing this. So um, <laughs> we talked to one group of folks um, who are a work from home cohort at a startup. And, you know, it's you, you get the sort of um, the camaraderie of trying this out together. Um, and one guy actually said that he had to travel a lot one week. So he's like, how am I going to do this on the airplane? And he found that what he would do is he'd go to the bathroom and then made, make sure he got stuck behind the drinks cart and just shuffle back side and side. Hmm. And then he saw the, the guy seated next to him and whatever row he was in was like, oh, that, I want to get moving too. So the guy next to him started doing that as well. So, you know, good behavior or, or healthier behaviors can be contagious, um, but so can the behavior of sitting around and you know clicking from one zoom meeting to the next yeah. without giving yourself a break why do scientists think it works um and if, if you came in late by the way um mm. we're talking about a, like a five minute slow walk every half an hour which does seem to have numerous benefits why well, it's really interesting. I did not know this that the sitting posture it, it kind of uh I've heard it uh compared to like a garden hose. You know, if you kink a garden hose, <laughs> yeah. the water doesn't come through. Well, when you sit, you're putting a bend in your arteries at knee level. Um and so blood is pooling in your legs and the pressure is increasing and so this can have uh, harmful effects on the the blood vessels in your legs to the point that there is some preliminary re research that suggests that sitting for hours on end can actually damage the inner linings of your blood vessels, which is now every time I sit for a long time, all I can yeah. think of is like my legs are a garden hose, right? Um, and so the other thing that the problem with sitting is that it's a it's really a slow moving train wreck for your health. If you continue to expose your body to higher blood sugar levels and higher blood pressure levels, it catches up with you. So it, your blood needs to flow because that's how it moves things. It, it gets rid of the yeah. lipids and, and glucose. Muscles regulate blood sugar and the fat in our bloodstream. But to do so, they have to be used. They need to be contracted. They need to be stimulated, which is why the jury's out on standing desks. Just standing is still a, a stagnant. It's, it's a <laughs> gentle movement. It doesn't have to be crazy. You can shuffle side to side or go get the laundry out of the dryer that you've been meaning to fold all day or uh, just get up and, you know, go check on what's happening out the window. It's literally just moving. Yeah. You have a big unveiling coming up with uh, all these um, listeners and participants who have been trying this, the three control groups. What are you hoping to see and, and what will be significant? 
Well, I'm nervous to be honest, Jesse. Like, I don't think this was easy at all asking people to do this mm. and also to report back. Um, but you know, the scientists that we're partnering with are saying it, it, it even if we don't, you know, even if it, if it was, uh, didn't work for a lot of people that in and of itself yeah. is interesting because they're, they're trying to find out, you know, why is it, why don't we move? Is it because we've, uh, are it, we don't, want to is it because of outside pressure is it because we don't have space to do it there's so many reasons mm. and uh keith diaz the the lead researcher you know said to me conducting a study of thousands of people across the world would usually take them years to do so they're going to be able to complete the next phase of their research in about a month and this is really fast tracking the science um and i think they're really excited you know a how do people feel when they do this? B, you know, what what are the limitations to it? And and really get people's feedback so they figure out what should we be studying next? Because they said to me today, they're like, you know, the only people we had in the in the lab or or testing this were people who worked at a university. You know, this hmm. is the best way we can give them a cross section of regular people who do from all walks of life from taxi drivers to teachers to retired folks um all different incomes um obviously they do have one thing in common which is that they want to try to move more so we'll see what they tell us the series is called body electric i've been talking to manush zamarodi journalist and podcast host thanks so much for your time and thanks for giving us so much to think about today oh it was a pleasure i hope you think about me on your next walk jesse